Welcome, Lordy Lordy. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to episode 34. Woo woo. Um, Girls got spooky. Girls got spooky. Girls got spooky. I'm <laughs> and I'm Olivia. <laughs> we haven't introduced you don't know. in a while. I know that's true, huh? We just kind of jump right in. Yeah. Um, I'm six foot five and mm. 350 pounds. It just visualize me. <laughs> and just I'm four six and <laughs> 86 pounds to match. She's a little, she's a little person. <laughs> little people, big world. Little Amy, yes. big world. Uh-huh. Exactly. Okay, you yeah. are actually quite small. <laughs> yeah. I'm You're not four six, but. <laughs> not that much taller than that, really. <laughs> I feel like that's a big jump, though, at that mm-hmm. height. Like, that difference is actually yes. huge. Yeah. It's like when you're 10 years old and somebody else is at 16. It's like a huge exactly. difference. Big jump. Big yeah. jump. <laughs> well, we are talking about some weird places. Not specific Ooh. to one location, but just, like, weird how would you even categorize this? Like unexplainable phenomena. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Unexplainable. Is unexplainable a word? I have always wondered that because I hear people say unexplainable, but I always say inexplicable. inexplicable. I do too, but I was just, the word was evading me for a moment there. Tell me. Unexplainable. Webster, Amy, tell me. Yeah, it is a word. That's dumb. Like, why? I do not need to be doing this on the honestly. I I (laughs) on the air. Um, I'm here for it. Do you find in Spanish there aren't a lot of like, like there are synonyms for words like great, awesome, cool, fun, but Mm -hmm. not for words like that. Like, I find English has a lot of synonyms for words like that. Yeah. Like unnecessary synonyms. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would agree. They, mm. yeah. English is hard. I'm kind of it glad hard. it's our first language. Our first language. I know. Privilege. Yeah. Um. Yeah. But it is really very quick, hard. Sorry. Yeah. Inexplicable and unexplainable. They mean the same thing, but inexplicable also often implies that something is unable to be interpreted or accounted for. So... Oh. That's kind of the same, but I kind of see what they're going. Like it's for like you too. can't even find a, a possible explanation yeah. for it. Okay, right. so it's like a little more like extreme than mm-hmm. unexplainable. Okay, okay, yeah. I'm here for that. Oh, I love it. If not extreme, <laughs> inexplicable. <laughs> I'm nothing if not if I live my life in the extremes and the extremes only mm. middle ground is for pussies. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not to gender it's, that. It's the truth. It is the truth. Middle grounds for flaccid peens. <laughs> I feel like that's the equivalent of a pussy, right? Yeah. Well, in that connotation. Yeah, I think so. You know, because it can also be like pussy, but like, you know, <laughs> and in a bad way. Flaccid pain. Uh-huh. Yeah. No anyway, nice. enough of that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right along. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, I'm first this week. Yes. Yes, you are. Step back. Okay. okay. Step, step back, Amy. I can chill. Stop coming at me. I'm chill. So, are you? Mm, are you chill? I'm also just extreme. Extremely just, chill. So weird to my headphones. And I'm thinking, okay, no, we're good. we're good. We're back in business. I like clicked a button on the back that was like ambient sound oh. on, and I'm like, no, <laughs> please no. <laughs> um, but we're good. Okay. Okay. So Amy has got like the big Kahuna of inexplicable phenomena, <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm gonna like slow build up to hers because there are okay. others. For sure. There are a ton, but I'm not going to go into like 10 of them right now. So I'm going to do five. 
Well, okay. actually, it is probably like 10 in total because there are a few kind of anyway. little things. Okay. I'm just going to start. Um, yeah. Okay. So the first is the Sailing Rocks of Death Valley, California. So there oh, is yeah. a, yeah, for anyone from the US and anyone who is a national parks enthusiast, um, there's a national park in California called Death Valley. It's the middle of the desert, very hot, as you can imagine. The name is Death Valley, very hot. Mm -hmm. Um, They also are referred to as self-propelled rocks. So I did some research about this because it is just, if you look at it in a vacuum without trying to figure out the why, it's like insane. (laughs) It's insane. (laughs) So it's literally like big ass boulders, like huge, huge, huge boulders. And they just like fly kind of across the landscape. Yeah. That's so strange. So strange. And you can see their like footprints kind of like along the Mm -hmm. way. Like it's just like a, like in the sky when an airplane passes over and there's the tail. It's like Mm -hmm. that. Um, Yeah. Like a slug. It's very weird. Yeah, exactly. Like a slug. Mm -hmm. Exactly like that. So it's just really interesting. So um, Death Valley is known for being the hottest place on earth. Um, it's mm-hmm. also the driest and lowest elevation in North America. So it's already mm-hmm. just like kind of like a physically and, and um, like geologically like very bizarre place. Mm-hmm. Um, and the there's a specific portion of Death Valley where these self-propelling rocks sit and it's called Racetrack Playa. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems like they are just being propelled across the landscape by themselves yeah so um a little more information about death valley it's located on the border of california and nevada it was designated in 1933 and is home to obviously these sailing stones the rocks vary in size from a few ounces to hundreds of pounds (laughs) hundreds of unbelievable the small ones you're like okay i mean a couple of ounces like wind a strong wind could do that Mm -hmm. but no Hundreds of pounds. So yeah. no one, this is, I think, a really interesting part. No one has seen them move in person. Hmm. It's just the trails that they have. Yeah. That they leave behind. Interesting. But it's so obvious. And, like, the periodic changes in location, like, it makes it very clear that they are moving. <laughs> so there are some scientific explanations that what I'll just, like, preface this entire thing with is, like, regardless of whether or not the scientific explanations actually explain it. It is such a weird specific phenomenon. Like it has to be like a perfect storm for this to happen scientifically. Right. So the rocks of racetrack playa are composed of dolomite and cyanite, which are the same materials that make up the surrounding mountains, which makes sense. Mm -hmm. They tumble down due to the forces of erosion and come to rest on this like very dry land below. It almost looks like, um, like, like little like hexagonal tiles kind of pushed together. Mm -hmm. So the land is so, so dry. Yeah. So once they reach the level surface of the playa, they somehow move horizontally, leaving these like perfect tracks behind them, which record their path. So many of the largest rocks have been, have left behind trails as long as 1500 feet, suggesting (laughs) that they've moved a long way from their original location. Rocks with a rough bottomed surface leave straight tracks while smooth bottomed rocks tend to wander, which is Hmm. also kind of interesting. Yeah. They've been observed and studied since the early 1900s, although not seen in person. Um, or like, you know, the movement isn't seen in person. And several theories have been suggested to explain these mysterious movements. So in 2014, scientists were able to capture the movement of the stones for the very first time since the early mm-hmm. 1900s using time-lapse mm-hmm. photography, of mm-hmm. course. And the results strongly suggest that the sailing stones are the result of a perfect balance of ice, water, and wind. Hmm. So in the winter, yeah, in the winter of 2014, rain formed a small pond that froze overnight and thawed the next day, creating a vast sheet of ice that was reduced by midday to only a few millimeters thick. So you've got this like frozen thin layer 
driven by a light wind, this sheet broke up and accumulated behind the stones, slowly pushing Hmm, them forward. Yeah. So it's like this weird, like hot, cold, like melting and like the like propulsion of that. It's so fascinating. So if you're interested in seeing them, um, you drive two miles south of the grandstand parking area. Um, the, obviously, the location of the stones are always changing, but that's how you get to racetrack Playa. Um, mm-hmm. And about, they say, the best view is usually walking about a half mile toward the southeast corner of the Playa. So they ask that you do not touch the rocks. You don't touch the tracks. They're like constantly being you know, kind of investigated and researched because mm-hmm. um, this is obviously a very like interesting phenomenon. Yeah. It almost seems like they could like harness that for some sort of like energy resource. Yeah. I don't know. That's yeah. very specific, but they're, you know, mm-hmm. we learn things from nature all the time. Right. Um, so yeah, the stones continue to baffle visitors and scientists alike. Um, we think we know why this happens, but there's no like firm, you know, answers for it. Yeah, or yeah. answers. So hmm. it's interesting because it's like, you know, it's Very. not like the way I think about it isn't so much like, oh, there's a ghost that like picks it up and drags it, but right. it's more like <laughs> that the earth even like inanimate parts of the earth are more alive than we like mm-hmm. think they are. If that yes. makes sense. No, um, it's a magical thought to think yeah. of the earth that way. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it makes me think of like, um, this is going to be such a stupid comparison, but you know, <laughs> in, in frozen, like how she manipulates <laughs> ice and cold and uh-huh. all of that. And then there's that, like, that voice from the unknown that's like calling to her yeah and it's like carried on the wind you know it's like some like it's got like a pocahontas like yeah. kind of vibe like yeah minus the you know probably like raping and pillaging yeah but mm-hmm. talk about the real story not the disney yeah. story um <laughs> yeah i don't but, know i just found it to be very interesting definitely and it's funny that you bring up frozen because my first thought was in the end of moana <laughs> Have you uh-huh. seen that? Movie? Yeah. <laughs> With the beautiful, like, green goddess yes. who comes yes. to life. And, but I love that movie. Like, I know. I'm it's excellent. No, it's excellent. Myself. It's and, so good. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's so good. It's so beautiful. Yeah. yeah. So that – I really like that. That one feels, like, spiritual and, like, earthbound, like, Mm -hmm. Pachamama kind of vibes. Yes. Um, So those are the sailing rocks of Death Valley. Um, I have a bunch of others that I'm just going to kind of touch on more quickly. The first one takes us to Poland. Mm. um, And this is called the Crooked Forest. You've probably seen photos of this, honestly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really wild. Um, So basically... Um, It's a grove of very oddly shaped pine trees located in the village of, I'm so sorry, I'm going to butcher this, I don't speak (laughs) Polish, now Zarnowo, Mm I don't know, Uh, near the town of Grafino, West Pomerania in northwestern Poland. It's actually a protected natural monument of Poland, which I didn't know. Yeah. Um, It's a grove of 400 pines that were planted in this village around 1930. This was, like, not that long ago. no. (laughs) And each pine tree, each pine tree, bends sharply to the north, just above ground level, and then curves back upright after a sideways excursion of three to nine feet, or one to three meters for anyone on a metric system. So it's, like, nine feet. It goes Uh in its – we'll post a picture on our Instagram, but it's, like – maybe an inch above the the ground the forest floor like it's so close to the ground it looks like it should just fall from the weight of the tree on top so it's just seems like physically bizarre but also like Mm -hmm. how'd they get like that which is a big question it's generally believed that some form of human tool or technique was used to make the trees grow or bend in this way, but the nef- method has never been determined and still remains a mystery to this day. Also, you'd think we would know because it right. wasn't that long ago. It was yeah. 1930. Right. So, Someone would keep a record. Right. 
So it's speculated that the trees may have been deformed like this in order to create naturally curved timber for use in furniture or boat building, hmm. which is, you know, kind of yeah, reasonable. Yeah, a good guess. Others surmise that a snowstorm could have bent the trunks, but there's very little evidence of that. Um, it, this just one like quick little side note, if you're interested in learning more about it, the forest was actually featured in season one, episode four of the un X, not EX, but un just letter X explained on the history mm -hmm. channel, um, titled unnatural Ooh. nature, um, cool. kind of recently in 2019. So if you're interested mm. in learning more about it, it's also open to the public. It's a natural monument, but you can go and visit um, yeah. so people will also call them, call it the dancing forest, drunken trees. Um, and then of course mm. the crooked forest. So yeah. it's just kind of interesting. And again, this is another one that's very much like, Hmm, like the mm -hmm. earth being a little more like yeah. dance, like the idea of like a dancing tree. I just love that for yeah. some reason. Yeah. And it makes me think too about like, you know, when like ghost hunters and stuff will take out those like electromagnetic fields. Uh, detectors mm -hmm. yeah. makes me think about that too right because like electromagnetic fields that's not woo woo that's real like the yeah. planet has that yes. so you think you know there are just so many different things like what if there was some kind of like event on the sun that create you know it's like you just there's mm -hmm. so much we don't know or understand or like can't even really fathom yeah. that like on mm -hmm. this one specific point on the planet was impacted right. I don't know so yeah. it's like, oh, it must be humans did it. It's like, actually, could Maybe not. not. Yeah. <laughs> we don't do so, everything. Yeah. The trees are dancing, and I love uh, it. Yeah. I love mean, that idea. I'm sure you've heard of how root systems of trees mm -hmm. and forests, like, it's, it's a communication pathway between all of them, which is yeah. incredible to think about. So and maybe. Like beautiful. Like, they're social. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why they would adapt that way to live yeah. in that environment, but I don't know. They're or telling each other. To do, yeah. Maybe something to do with like seeking light in some direction yeah. at some point, but because mm -hmm. if they were all planted at the same time, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's very bizarre. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. Interesting. So, um, Let's see. Okay. So the next one on the list is called Bangar Fort. I'm probably mm -hmm. butchering that name. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> it is a 16th century fort built in the Rajasthan state of India. It was built by Bhagwat Das for his younger son, Mato Singh. Um, it's located on the border of the Sariska Reserve in the Aravalli range of the Alwar district. Ajasthan. Hmm. So if anyone is in India, that's where it is. Um, mm -hmm. There's a village kind of near to it that I'm not even going to try to pronounce because it would just be offensive. <laughs> um, so this fort is located at the foot of hills on this like sloped kind of terrain. Um, and there are ruins there um, of the king's palace that are located on this lower slope of the hills. Tree, there are trees surrounding the pond area that's there, and there's a natural stream that falls into the pond within the premises of the palace itself. Um, it's actually quite close to Delhi, uh, so it's like 146 miles or 235 kilometers um, hmm. for those of you on the metric system. Um, and it's most of that area is pretty developed at this point. It's very close to obviously a major city. Yeah. Um, but that stretch of road leading up to the actual palace is unpaved still, which is mm. kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so according to, this is where it gets interesting. So according to legend, a sadhu named Baba Balak Nath lived within the fort area. Um, and this person um was a let me make sure i'm getting this right took these notes in a very weird way <laughs> um yeah so the i guess the like leader the ruler at the time um lived within this fort area and it was his injunction that any house built in the precinct of the fort should not be taller than his own and if the shadow of any such house fell on his it would result in the destruction of the fort town so first of all 
get your rulers out and just measure anyways. <laughs> like, come on, like move it along. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was like just one little like detail at the time that pretend like people thought, Oh, well someone built a home taller. And so he just mm-hmm. like destroyed the whole thing. Yeah. The other legend was that there was a wizard who was adept in black magic named Sinhai. And he fell in love with Ratnavati, who is a beautiful Bangar princess who had many suitors. Mm-hmm. And one day, and I, it sounds like is the daughter of Baba Balaknath. Mm-hmm. Um, and one day, um, the wizard followed her to the marketplace and offered her a love potion. However, she refused it, throwing it onto a large rock that consequently rolled onto the wizard and crushed him to death. Whoa. Get it, sis. <laughs> yeah, she's like, not interested. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a little bit funny, but also not funny. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But the whole thing is that as before he died he laid a hex on all of the inhabitants of bangar and so it's basically mm-hmm. this like ruined abandoned city that there's like mm-hmm. no actual record of why so it's almost yeah. like a much less dramatic like pompeii you know what i mean right. it's like what happened here like why did this happen um right. So kind of interesting. Uh, And it's considered to be, as a result of this, um, one of the most haunted spots in India. So it's it's like very, I don't want to say like superstitious, but there's a lot of like, it's very spiritually charged there. Mm -hmm. And no one is allowed to enter after dark for that reason. (laughs) And locals, even to this day, report deaths as a result of the curse. Wow. So like people will like just drop dead like inhabitants <sighs> of like nearby cities. Wow. So it's very bizarre. That is crazy. And yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's like lead in the water or something, but like there's yeah. something weird going on there. Mm-hmm. So Oof. that is Bangar Fort. Interesting. Um, the next one takes us to Wales, the mm. Skirid Mountain Inn. Um, so this is set between the rising fells and lichen-spotted stone villages on the eastern <laughs> edge of Brecon Beacons National Park, which is um, Brecon Beacons, I guess, is Wales' lesser-known mountain range. It's in the south mm-hmm. of Wales. Um, the Skirid Mountain Inn, which obviously is an inn, oozes with tales and stories of the Gaelic nation's past. So I think mm-hmm. we should probably do a full episode on like Gaelic lore. Cause I think like, mm-hmm. it's so interesting. And I know we've done like the, the like Celtic thing, yeah. and, like talking more about like Druids and there's yeah. just so much there. So I think we should mm-hmm. like expand on that. So I won't go too yeah. deep into this, but okay. um, some say that this inn was actually the gathering point of rebel fighters under the banner of Owen, I don't can't read Gaelic. <laughs> no. Glen, Glinder. Glindwer. I don't know. The <laughs> hero of the me. Welsh. Yeah. Hero. Thank you. Hero of the Welsh resistance against Henry V. Or sorry, the fourth. Others claim that it was once a courthouse where criminals were not only condemned to death, but also hung, all under the command of the infamous so-called hanging judge, George Jeffreys. <laughs> There is, in fact, still a swinging noose Hmm. dangling from the (laughs) rafters inside the inn. And there are a ton of ghost stories from there, from Mm. the town, all of ours. It's one of those just like weird places that they're like, what exactly was this place? And why does Mm -hmm. everyone get bad, bad vibes? (laughs) Where are the bad vibes coming from? Wow. That one's just like kind of a quickie, but I was like, it's actually yeah. like kind of cute from the outside. Just looks like a little quaint, like little stone bar. <laughs> you never suspect. Never. And then you're like, oh, never mind. Okay. <laughs> Regret coming. So, here. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I have one more with five kind of rolled up. And okay. these, you're, I'm going to be kind of giving yours away in sharing okay. them because they're like, <laughs> I'm just going to say the we're going to call them the lesser triangles. Okay. <laughs> so the first is a place called Bridgewater Triangle, which is sprawling across a slice of Massachusetts where hmm. you and I both frequent. Yes. Um, the Bridgewater Triangle covers some of the most foreboding and mysterious terrain you can imagine. Things like vast bleak wetlands and wooded zones large and dense enough to definitely get lost in. 
This is the area that gave rise to one of the very first UFO sightings way back in 1760, which is cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. Onlookers reported a sphere of fire, and that's a quote, Mm -hmm. so brilliant that it was seen across several towns. Wow. In, (laughs) yeah. In 1908, a pair of undertakers traveling on a carriage reported a flying object they likened to an unusually strong lantern. And other witnesses corroborated their story, some assuming it was a hot air balloon. The undertakers didn't agree with one writing, I claim that a hot air balloon could not move in a circle or perpendicular as this one did. Interesting. Since then, the tales of inexplicable, there's that word again, Mm -hmm. phenomena, um, have come time and again in the Bridgewater Triangle, including sites of... Crypto zoological creatures, which is Bigfoot. Yeah. <laughs> he makes Bigfoot another and also appearance. He makes another appearance. <laughs> and Thunderbirds, which are huge oh. flying animals of American myth. Um, cool. There have also been many reports of mutilated livestock. Hmm. Aliens. Interesting. Or Bigfoot having a snack. Aliens. <laughs> yeah, maybe it is Bigfoot. That's true. That's true. We should, we should give him... Give him that cred. Well, so that know. is number one. That is Bridgewater Triangle. Okay. The next cool. is Bennington Triangle in Vermont. Um, the Bennington Triangle, which covers the craggy landmark landmark of Glastonbury Mountain and go- a bunch of ghost towns, the town mm-hmm. of Glastonbury itself had a population of eight, according to the 2010 <laughs> census, which gives you an idea of how isolated the area is. Mm-hmm. Uh, The Bennington Triangle has been the setting for a number of unexplained disappearances over the years. They began in 1945 when a local man, Mitty Rivers, was leading a group of hikers near the mountain. He walked ahead of the group and seemingly vanished into thin air. The very Mm -hmm. next year, this is wild. The very next year, teenager Paula Weldon was hiking in the same area when she disappeared, which triggered Hmm. a media storm and a massive hunt, which didn't turn up anything. Some years later, a young boy named Paul Jepson was told to wait in his mother's car while she visited a site near the mountain. She returned to an empty vehicle. Another huge search was launched and with hundreds of volunteers scouring the area to no avail. Both Paul and Mitty had been in red clothes when they vanished, leading to a superstition that it's bad luck to wear red and visit Glastonbury Mountain. Further Hmm. vanishings, along with numerous UFO sightings, have made this place a magnet for paranormal investigators and anyone with a taste for the unusual. Hmm. So. Noted. I will not wear red (laughs) to go hiking. None of that. In case. Um, Exactly. So Dragon's Triangle. So this is kind of considered to be like Bermuda Triangle's equivalent, but in the Pacific Ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, It's also known to some as the Devil's Sea. Um, And it's an area of water just off the coast of Japan, which has been linked to numerous stories of ship disappearances, UFO sightings, and magnetic anomalies. The most disturbing stories focus actually on Japanese military vessels that vanished in the triangle in the 1950s, leading to researchers being sent in to see what was going on. Apparently they in turn vanished themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so some writers even argue that there are accounts of disappearances on this stretch of ocean going back to the Mongol empire. So wow. it's like very possible yeah. that yeah, it's kind of wild. Mm-hmm. Um, the Michigan Triangle, stretching out for over 300 miles, Lake Michigan is one of the grandest bodies of water on Earth. It's also in the ominous embrace of the so-called Michigan Triangle, which has been linked to yet more eerie aerial sightings and alleged disappearances that have inspired tales across the decades. The first mysteries were spoken of back in the 19th century with boats frequently going missing on the lake. One famous victim of the triangle was the Rosa Bell, um, a double-masted vessel which was found capsized on the lake with no trace of the crew. Her ruptured stern indicated that she had been rammed by another vessel, but no other ship reported any such incident. Hmm. Ghost ship. Whoa. Yeah. That's weird. I'm thinking Mm -hmm. like the Black Pearl kind of vibe, you know? (laughs) Free Johnny Depp. Um, In 1937, Captain John, or 
Captain George Donner vanished from a freighter sailing through the triangle. The captain retired for the evening to his cabin, asking to be awoken when they neared their endpoint. Hours later, a crewman went to do just that, to find the cabin empty and the captain gone. Mystery was never solved. Hmm. Well. Planes have also been inexplicably downed in the Michigan Triangle, including one of the worst passenger airline crashes in U.S. history. Hmm. As with all such triangles, many will argue that the stories have been exaggerated by conspiracy mongers, but others will maintain that something very strange is indeed happening in these various hotspots around the world. The last one is the Matlock Triangle. Um, This is a, a British publication, and so the start of this one was like, we shouldn't feel left out here in Britain. Oh. <laughs> like, that's so cute. Um, yeah, of all the knew? spooky goings on, which is such a like, <laughs> British way to say that. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so we have our very own Matlock Triangle, a zone in the Derbyshire Dales, which some have been calling the UFO capital of the world. Numerous mm-hmm. stories have circulated about odd glowing objects hurtling over the Dales from cigar shaped aircrafts to one shaped like a bowler hat. One of the most widely reported sightings was made by Sharon Rollins, a local woman who considered herself a complete and utter disbeliever until she set eyes on a gigantic, colorful disc hovering over her village. Hmm. Which, like, <laughs> kind of hard not to believe that. Yeah. Once what you else see could it that. be? Yeah. <clears throat> Rollins caught the incident on her camcorder. LOL, uh, and reportedly sold the footage to a U.S. TV company for a handsome sum. As with the more famous Bermuda Triangle, controversy still rages over whether these are simply tall tales based on misinformation and bad science, or whether very weird events really have occurred on these choppy waters. Hmm. Interesting. Who knew there were so many triangles? I know. I, did, I had no I did. idea. I hadn't heard of it. Yeah. I think the, like, the dragons one is so interesting. Yeah. It's like the, like, ugly stepbrother of the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle. <laughs> yeah. The like, one mm, don't the care. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that set tease you up. Um, here we go. The Bermuda Triangle. Let's it's, it. yes. It is also called the Devil's Triangle. Um, and it's a region of just open water in the North Atlantic Ocean. And its exact boundaries are not obviously laid out because it's just water. But it is in a generally triangular shape with one point bordering the southeast U.S., basically Florida. The other at Bermuda and the third near the greater Antilles, which is Haiti, Dominican Republic, Jamaica, Puerto Rico, that mm-hmm. section. And according to the History Channel website, more than 100 planes and ships have disappeared in the Bermuda Triangle. And some of these have never been explained. Uh, so, and over 100. Yeah, <laughs> over 100. Whoa. So, yeah, before we get into those disappearances, some of them... Um, I do want to acknowledge some geographical things about the Bermuda Triangle that maybe are a more rational explanation for why things Mm -hmm. disappear there. Um, First, this area is known for frequent hurricanes and strong weather. Second, the Gulf Stream, which is a very strong ocean current, passes through the area. And third, the deepest point in the Atlantic Ocean is located within the Bermuda Triangle. It's called the Milwaukee Depth, and it reaches up to 27,493 feet deep. So that is mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of spooky in itself, honestly. Thinking about how deep that is, like... It's so deep. That freaks yeah. me out. Yeah. I love yeah, like water and swimming, but... Open, but, deep ooh. ocean. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's in there? <laughs> I know. You just don't know. And when you can't see past your feet, it's like right. anything it's just could dark. be beneath you. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> but okay. So those natural phenomena could explain some of the incidents that are known to have taken place there. But it still has an air of mystery to it. And I think mostly that's because in some cases not even a little bit of wreckage has been found from these ships and airplanes. Weird. 
So yeah, and that includes, which I'll talk about in a second, a very large U.S. naval ship that there's no evidence of. What? Yeah. <laughs> so that seems right and also in a lot of these cases these disappearances have occurred without any distress calls preceding them or and or have occurred on days when there were no reports of bad weather there so Mm -hmm. it's mystery okay but anyway i have like four detailed stories and then just three like rapid fire ones at the end that i didn't go deep into um But the first one is the Ellen Austin, which was a passenger ship traveling from Liverpool, England to New York in Liverpool. (laughs) Liverpool. (laughs) They have the craziest accents. Remember Michael from college? Yes. Blueberry yogurt. (laughs) (laughs) I used to make him say blueberry yogurt over Mm -hmm. and over again. He was like, shut up. Blueberry yogurt. <laughs> oh, man. Still yeah. good. Doesn't get old. On um, Great British Bake Off, <laughs> there was somebody, I think she was from um, Liverpool, or at least that region, and she yeah. could not say swirl or, like, curd. Oh, it was, like, swell, cowed. <laughs> and I'm probably butchering God. that, but, like, it's what an accent. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, that's a detour. Okay. So, yes, it's 1881. The Ellen Austin, it had already been sailing for a couple weeks when the captain, Captain Griffin, decided to take a detour through the Sargasso Sea, which would set their ship to sail. What was that? Bad call. (laughs) Yeah, already a bad call. Griffin, come on. Yeah, that would put them right through the Bermuda Triangle, which that detour is kind of big because they're going from Liverpool to New York. So they're going down like to the Caribbean (laughs) almost and back. I wonder though, with like, like, um, like the, what's that called? Water patterns? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the currents. What is current? Well, um, I mean, water patterns make sense. I mean, that's not wrong. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not. That's anyway, it is. maybe it was the currents. Maybe it was pulling yeah. them south, but they knew that it would bring them back north. I don't know. Yeah. What Who knows? <laughs> nothing. Yeah. Literally nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. And I tried. I was like, how? Yeah, I tried to Google stuff about all of this. I was like, I want to be what a is sea a captain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A sea hag. <laughs> Sarah the sea hag. <laughs> Amy the sea hag. Uh-huh. With your uh, long patchy hair. Yeah. Ew. No. All over my body, though, not just on my head. <laughs> yeah, but alas, I'm not. So to us, this is just a detour that goes much farther south than what makes sense. (laughs) But um, shortly after they got into the Bermuda Triangle region, Captain Griffin and the crew spotted another ship that was really far off on the horizon that appeared to be sailing erratically, like just kind of floating around. And the Ellen Austin, they tried to signal that ship for a day or so, but they never got any response. So they decided to go check to see what was going on. And Captain Griffin sent some of his crew to check on this other ship. And they reported back that there was no one on board. All of the cargo was intact. There was no sign of bloodshed or any evidence of anything to indicate that whoever had been on that boat would have needed to abandon ship. Hmm. So it was just empty. (laughs) And they had no idea why. But... The captain, Captain Griffin, he decided it would be worth salvaging this abandoned boat um, because it was not damaged. So he had those crew members. Right. (laughs) He had those crew members steer that boat alongside this um, Ellen Austin. 
So they traveled together for a couple days or so before they ran into a heavy storm and it separated them. But no. the Ellen Austin was fine, survived the storm. This other ship, though, <laughs> they saw it miraculously, like shockingly, they saw it again. So they tried to signal it again and no response. Um, no. So when they went to check again, all of no. their crew members were missing. And no. again, it was still intact. The boat was still undamaged and the crew was gone. So like, this is clearly Davy Jones, right? Taking <laughs> <gasps> them into, the, into his locker or whatever they call it. Don't Wait, you, I'm what, sorry. What? <laughs> How yeah. are you not having a more visceral reaction to this? <laughs> I am. I did earlier. Oh. <laughs> I was reading it. It's okay, bizarre. we have to do an episode on Davy Jones. That is yes. so weird. Yeah, I mean the Davy Jones. Like, there's no mine. <laughs> That's my assertion. Yeah, but I mean, but, but I mean, the, but that kind of thing, like a seat, like the Kraken, or like something, yeah. like yeah, right, or All a giant these... squid, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. For human flesh. I don't know. Yes, I know. But that's so weird that that boat, but that, but that the Ellen Austin was left alone. Right. Yeah. Like, what is it's, with that boat? Is it like a haunted Black Pearl. ship? Yeah. Black Pearl, <laughs> yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Yeah. Black Pearl. So, <sighs> yeah. That's, or sirens? I think that's a cool one. Ooh. Yeah. Could be. But yeah, then they could have also taken the Ellen Austin. Right. Yeah. Why would they? Well, unless they have some like weird connection to that other boat. To that ship. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. What happened from? Fascinating. Well, that's the end of that one because they just decided like, I'm not going to mess with this boat anymore. (laughs) And they just went on their way. So who knows? And I did not find any other reports of things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So. Yeah. Who knows? That one okay. really got me. Yeah. It's a cool you one. Was, was, I thought it would just be destroyed in the storm, but then when you were like, they saw it again, no response yeah. though. <laughs> Which no. it's also <gasps> weird that, that it would end up that they see it again, like in right. a violent storm could have yeah. ended up anywhere. Well, it's almost like but, it wants more people to board it. Right. Yeah. It was asking Ooh, scary. (laughs) Yeah. You're asking for it. Yep. Um, Okay, so that's the Ellen Austin. Now we'll move on to the USS Cyclops. Um, Yeah, that's the US naval ship. And this is in 1918. They were sailing from the West Indies up to Baltimore, Maryland. And the Cyclops was gigantic. It was 550 feet long, and it had 306 crew members aboard. So very large. (laughs) And by 1918, this ship had been sailing along this same route for about eight years. So who knows if it was the same crew, but either way, it's gone this route many times before um saying their first rodeo yes exactly so the cyclops uh took off from brazil and headed for barbados where they were going to make a stop for provisions before going on to the u.s and the last communication that they received from the cyclops they just said weather fair all well but after that they were never seen or heard from again. No one on the ship, and the wreckage has never been found. See, this is the thing, though, that like I appreciate the potential for like the depth of the water there and mm-hmm. all of that to like hide the evidence. But why was there no like mayday call? Like, right? Mm-hmm. I, that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, for any of them. Right, because any for sinking cars. ship. It doesn't right. happen that fast, right? No. <laughs> I don't know. Slow. No, it's slow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess unless it, like, I don't know if it's, like, attacked, like, if it's, like, bombed, but. Yeah. And then, still, isn't there floating debris, usually? 
Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Totally. Until it gets so know. waterlogged that it sinks. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which would take I don't time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's freaking weird. And, and it was, this was the really big one, right? Yes. Yeah. 550 feet long with 300 people on board. So, I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. Something's fishy, but um, yeah, the things they try to, they try to explain this by saying like the Cyclops during this voyage, they were carrying a very heavy load. They had 11,000 tons of manganese on board. Um, <laughs> manganese yeah. ore. It's some oh, sort of oh. mineral or uh, oh, okay. metal. Yeah. Something very heavy. Um, okay. And then some people argued for a while that it might have been a German submarine or something. But at that yeah. time, yeah, it was only one year into World War One, And this was obviously very far from Germany. So it seems unlikely and that still it would be there. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so the there was a feature on this ship in the Santa Fe magazine, which I think is the USS Santa Fe, like not Santa Fe, New Mexico, but I'm not certain. Um, but their quote was, usually a wooden bucket or a cork life preserver identified as belonging to a lost ship is picked up after a wreck, but not so with the Cyclops. She just disappeared as though some gigantic monster of the sea had grabbed her, men and all, and sent her into the depths of the ocean. And the suddenness of her destruction is amplified by the absence of any wireless calls for help being picked up by any ship along the route. Yeah. So it's a mystery, and it remains a mystery over a hundred years later. Yeah. So. Whoa. Yeah, that's Ooh, 100 that like, <laughs> Yeah, that is, it's it's over 100 okay. years. That gives me a chill. Yeah, spooky. That is spooky. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's see. I have just a couple more, so... <laughs> Perfect. So, just because our listeners can't see this, mm-hmm. my dad, thanks dad, <laughs> uh, bought, uh, went into this, like... Um, I think it was in, I want to say it was in New Orleans, maybe this like kind of like spooky, eclectic shop, mm-hmm. um, like cool. had like voodoo stuff in there mm-hmm. and found these funny pins and mine says spooky and Amy's is a little <laughs> ghost. I don't remember mm-hmm. what he said on him. I think it says spooky all year long. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. So, cute. so we'd have our little, not quite matching, but our. I love them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, such a nice gift. Spooky. Spooky gift. Okay. Um, so, yes, another spooky incident was in 1967 when the captain of the Witchcraft, which is an interesting name for a boat, um, which is a 23-foot luxury cruiser, um, decided to go out <clears throat> with just one friend. So it was the captain and one friend. <clears throat> they wanted to go out, excuse me, <clears throat> and um, sail just off the coast of Miami, Florida to look at the Christmas light displays from out on the water. Um, at 9 p.m., the Miami Coast Guard received a distress call from the witchcraft saying that their propeller had run into something in the water and they would need a tow back in. Um, They said that they were only about a mile offshore and that it wasn't an emergency. They could hang out for a while um, until the Coast Guard could send someone. And I think, I don't know exactly how it works, but this boat that he had had some sort of flotation capability Mm -hmm. on the hull of the boat. Mm -hmm. Um, So if there was damage to one part, like it would stay floating for a while. Um, So yeah, he was pretty nonchalant when he made the call, but the Coast Guard said to set off a flare so that they could pinpoint where they were. Um, So he did that. And less than 20 minutes later, the Coast Guard reached where the witchcraft should have been and found nothing, (laughs) not the boat, not the people, 
no debris. What? Nothing. And it was only 20 minutes later, and they're only a mile offshore. And they have this so, flotation thing. Yeah. And nobody jumped ship. They just were like, oh, I guess we're sinking. Right. And Dude. they could have communicated something again, right? Like, actually, we're going down now. <laughs> we need you right. sooner. But Also, most people could swim a mile. If it's a matter of yeah. life or death, swim a mile. Right. Yeah. So I wonder what they hit, I- though, too, out there. A kraken. Yeah. <laughs> kraken. Yo, like it's... that is the kraken's home. It lives in mm-hmm. the depths of that, of the Bermuda Triangle. I'm convinced. Yep. Yep. But yeah, this happened right off of Miami. So it's like that whole. Okay. Not voting in Miami. Spooky. <laughs> no, I know. It's... Wait, I feel like this is not getting nearly enough attention. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know how I didn't know these stories. This is freaky. It is. I didn't I haven't heard these either. I always just heard like, yeah, boats sink there, planes sometimes yeah. crash, like, but it's yeah. like, oh, there's bad weather or something. Yeah, and a lot of incidents crazy. do occur in bad weather. Sure. So that just makes sense. But these are weird, weird ones. Well, it's like there's that saying just because you're suspicious doesn't mean they're not out to get you. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and bad weather, yeah. bad stuff happens in places where when there's good weather, yeah. difficult things also happen. Right. You know. True. Yep. <gasps> Spooky. That, Twenty minutes. And wait, wait yeah. tell me what was what was the date? What was the when was that? Um, it was around Christmas time, nineteen sixty-seven. Okay, this so, is like recent. Yes, and there are more recent ones too. <laughs> okay, keep going. Sorry, I'm sorry. But yeah, those are the one the more recent ones I don't have too much detail about, but I'll just read them off at the end. Um this last more detailed one is maybe the most notorious they said of the disappearances and it is flight 19 and the PBM Mariner um that disappeared it's so flight 19 i think is a group of five avenger torpedo bombers and they took off from fort lauderdale florida on december 5th 1945 so wartime actually would the war be over then when (laughs) this year december 5th 1945 it would be oh no till 46 i think oh look (laughs) that's embarrassing Either I way. Mean, I don't know either. Because <laughs> I know, just, you're right. It's yeah, you're right. Forty five. It's forty five. It's okay. September two, forty five. Okay, so okay. I don't know what these guys are doing. I guess just running tests, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah, they were out flying, five of them. Um, Lieutenant Charles C. Taylor, he was an experienced pilot. And as they were flying, he believed that his compass had started to malfunction and that they Mm -hmm. had been flying in the wrong direction. So he was obviously concerned. Uh, He contacted a Navy flight instructor who was also flying close to the Florida coast. Mm -hmm. And with the weather also growing worse at this time, Taylor decided to go against protocol and pointed his plane. Yeah. Bad call. He pointed the plane toward the setting sun, which I also tried to look up why that would be against protocol and didn't find anything. So if anyone knows, yeah, that's... Okay, I'm not friends with Chris anymore. Oh, Chris? Oh, yeah. Mm, that's true. Okay. <laughs> I forgot who that was for a second. <laughs> well, it's irrelevant that's... now. So. <laughs> Well, mm, we sorry if ever yeah. hears this. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> but you are. Sorry I'm allergic that. to bell peppers for the record. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, okay, quick tangent. Mm-hmm. I have an ex-boyfriend who, <laughs> I don't know, months, maybe a year after the mm-hmm. breakup, was like, I'm in town. Let's get lunch. I was like, okay. So we get lunch. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, so um, I think I'm going to write a cookbook. And I was like, (laughs) 
uh, if memory serves me, you can't cook. And he was like, <laughs> no, yeah, you're right. I can't. Um, it's going to be the, the concept is like recipes from my exes. And I was um, like, oh, okay. Like, that's kind of cute. Yeah. And let me, let me lay some groundwork here. <laughs> I had a cookie business. Like mm-hmm. I bake, like it's my job. Mm-hmm. I don't anymore, but at that time I did. Yeah. And anyone who knew me knew that. Like even if you yeah. knew me just a tiny little bit. <laughs> so here I am like, oh, he's going to ask for my chocolate chip cookie recipe. Like mm-hmm. fine, here, here. It's basically a modified Toll House <laughs> recipe yeah. with mm-hmm. my magic touch on it. Yes. This man says, yeah, so I was thinking either your lemon chicken recipe, which I don't have a recipe for that, stuffed bell peppers. (laughs) Again, anyone who knows me, even a little knows I'm allergic to bell peppers. Yes. And I was like, I didn't know how to react. I was like. Yeah. Are you thinking (laughs) of someone else? Literally. I was like. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is that I know him well enough to know he doesn't follow through on anything. So mm-hmm. I was like, I'm just, just let it let's go. Not, let's not. <laughs> yeah. I don't need to be right because I know I'm right. Gosh. Oh, well, yeah. Here it is. That's, and clearly, it's embarrassing for him. Well. <laughs> <laughs> for him. And I never talked to him again. <laughs> So, yep, leave it in the past. I really don't I really don't think that cookbook ever came out. Yeah, I don't. In case it. anyone was wondering, <laughs> how um, could it without so, your stuffed bell pepper recipe? Right. How could it? It's incomplete. <laughs> uh-huh. bell pepper recipe. Um I get a, I like a nice char on them, you know, oh, before I bake mm-hmm. the inside. Yeah. Yep. It's, I'm I'm really good at handling bell pepper. Mm. I literally mm-hmm. if someone was like cut this, I'd be like don't know how. <laughs> I'd cut right through the seeds. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, here we go. Chop, chop. Oh, well. Um, so anyway, his dad was a pilot, and that's why I said we could ask him. But yes. we don't speak to him now. So yep. Okay. Yep. And now we're back to the flying. All we're right. back. Here we are. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, they he pointed the plane toward the setting sun. You're not supposed to do that. Um, so... Yeah, he believed that they were somewhere over the Florida Keys. So Taylor, the captain, he adjusted the heading in an attempt to navigate the Gulf of Mexico. But his the other pilots that were flying with him, they started to think this is a mistake. Um, and some of them started to challenge why they kept flying that direction. And they said, okay, I really think we need to turn back um, and go west but for reasons unknown he once again turned the flight back around to go the way he was going um concerned that they were somewhere over the gulf and as they flew further and further away from land their transmissions were harder and harder to hear come through um and they just eventually went away um And they were flying also for way longer than they were supposed to. It was supposed to be three hours, but they were going for hours and hours. So the crew were all getting concerned that they wouldn't be able to correct their navigation before they ran out of fuel anyway. And so in his last transmission that was recorded, Taylor told his men that once the first plane dropped below 10 liters of fuel, they would all ditch the planes together Mm -hmm. Um, and after that the transmissions ended so certain that these flights had ditched into the ocean the navy immediately launched a search and rescue effort so two boats um, were scrambling searching for this missing flight Um, but 20 minutes after they took off from whatever port they left from one of these boats disappeared off the radar. And so neither the 13 crewmen or those five pilots, nor the wreckage of anything was ever recovered. So the rescue boat sank. 
trying to recover these pilots. I can't so, with this. Yeah. And why are they, people not up in arms? Right. Yeah. Again, no wreckage for any, either of those disasters. So insane. Yeah. yeah, but okay, so that's that one. And then these were just from Wikipedia. <laughs> so I did not confirm these sources, but um the first one actually is in 1492 when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. Columbus sailed the ocean blue. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> there was and yeah, this comes from him, Christopher Fuck Columbus. That guy, but yeah. also <laughs> I mean, I'll never forget that little rhyme. Like, oh, yeah, that it's jump rope. Perfect game? way to teach yeah, kids perfect. the date of that. Did you do that? Did you use the the uh, Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue in fourteen hundred and ninety two? The waves went over, and over, no. or higher and higher, and over they flew. It was a mm-hmm. like a double Dutch rhyme. Oh yeah, at least that's how yeah. I learned it. I didn't learn yeah. it like in class, but it was I learned it from like schoolmates. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, no, I didn't do that one. I think we just, yeah, took the first part in 1492. Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue. And in 1492, October 11th, to be exact, um, the journals um, from the crew of the Santa Maria reported seeing unknown lights in the sky um, while they were sailing in this region. So aliens, perhaps. Aliens. Yep. And then... Another one, 2017, which I actually remember this. Um, there was a Turkish Airlines flight that was forced to change directions from Havana, Cuba to Washington, Dulles, so Washington, D.C., after they had mechanical and electrical problems over the triangle. And it was like they didn't really know why they were happening. They couldn't pinpoint a reason <laughs> for the issues. So interesting. And then the most recent one was in 2020, and it was a 29-foot boat. It was not – yeah, it was just a personal, like, somebody owned this boat, and they went out – I think they went out fishing. Um, And there were 20 people on board. They were last seen departing on December 28, 2020, and they never came back. And they still haven't been found, even after a search of, like, I think they said hundreds of thousands of square miles have been searched and they never found anything. So (laughs) that's, yep. They took off from somewhere in Florida. I think I left that out. So, yeah. The ones ones that really got me were the Ellen Austin and the one off the coast of Miami. Like, they're all weird. Mm-hmm. But for some, I don't know, for some reason, I feel like I have this like weird, like conception, maybe it's a misconception that like, sea travel feels more like, reliable, like you're not mm-hmm. on the ground, but you're not in the air. Like it's, yeah. it's being in the air to me feels like super vulnerable. Yes. And like, if it goes down, there's not necessarily going to yeah. be free. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a ship. For a ship to sink seems, I don't know, it feels like yeah. a stretch, kind of. Like, for it to just sink out of nowhere. Like, planes mm-hmm. go down out of nowhere, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it's harder. Like, human error could down a plane where, exactly. I don't know if human exactly. error could down a ship. I mean, I'm sure it could, but it would yeah. be slow. Even still, right. it would be slow. It seems like water travel is slow. Everything that happens, the good stuff, the bad stuff, getting to where you want to go or capsizing yes. happens slowly. Right. Whereas mm-hmm. in, in the air, you're moving so fast, one wrong move, and you're at the bottom of the ocean or, you yeah. know, it just seems, and I trust air travel, but like, I don't know. It, it just seems, uh, that feels more like, okay. I can I can handle like bad weather and whatever like the sun mm-hmm. in your eyes fine yeah but the boat stuff is like uh, kraken like yeah. there's a kraken mm-hmm. and it's yeah there. or Davy Jones or, or Davy Jones okay we need to else? do an <laughs> under the sea episode yes. because mm-hmm. 
Sirens, Kraken, Giant Squid, Davy Jones. Yes. Yeah. Should we I'm do sure that there week? are other ghost ships too. Some, 100%. Somewhere. <gasps> so, okay. I'm, we're taking yeah. this next week. It's done. Okay. Yeah. That sounds good. Ooh, yeah. So that's the Bermuda Triangle. Wow. Creepy. <laughs> Throw yeah, the triangle Illuminati bitch. <laughs> Illuminati. Yeah. Spooky. Illuminati. <laughs> Ooh, like the dollar bill. Not a dollar bill, y'all. Looking right at the camera. Spooky. Well, so yeah, y'all. If you hear your boat captain like, "Hey, we're just gonna do a quickie little detour through the triangle," just be like, "Nah, dog, no, I'm a pass on that." Yeah, no. Say no. So just say no. Just say no. <laughs> yeah. Say no to drugs, guys. Yeah. Stay in school. Yeah. Um, also, no, just a no really drugs. quick, a really quick like moment to acknowledge all of the violence that's been happening in the United States in, yeah. I mean, literally every day, but mm-hmm. uh, for the families of the children in Texas who were just murdered in school, um, as well yeah. as the people who were worshiping and grocery shopping who have been yeah. like, down shooting. So um, <sighs> if you are in the U.S. or um, are just up to speed on the news here, our hearts go out to everybody. I think like we're all for gun control. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. that, I don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I don't care either. So, like, yeah. No one wants your thoughts and prayers. No. Fucking gun Some action, please. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we're not going to do any kind of moment of silence here because we all know that that doesn't impact change. Mm-hmm. So uh yeah but just wanted to acknowledge because i know sometimes it's hard to be like right and fun when the world is like around you but i hope that for anybody who is struggling with processing that news that this can be a little oasis for you levity yes so yeah Mm -hmm. and with that Mm -hmm. we will be back next week stay spooky my friends stay spooky thanks everybody thanks everyone bye bye